Well, Merry Christmas or uh, Merry COVID Christmas, if you're thinking that way. Uh, I'm not. I know it's been a very different year, difficult year for some, lonely year for others. If either of those or both uh, describe you, I'm sorry. Glad that you're here. Glad that you're going to give us a few minutes to uh, think about some things. I want to assure you we will get through this. Jesus and his mission are much bigger than COVID. He has marched through pandemics. He has marched through floods. He has marched through world wars. The, the mission has marched through fires. It has marched through all kinds of things, and it will continue. Jesus will continue uh, until he doubles back and returns. The one who came initially as a baby in weakness will come back in power as a king. Uh, I want to assure you of all that, and I want to take just a minute today. Uh, we've been in a series called Christmas Is, and I want to suggest that Christmas is worth your time. It's worth another look. So the key passage for Christmas Eve is generally Luke chapter 2. This is the famous passage that Linus read in A Charlie Brown Christmas. It's the one that sets up the manger scene. Matthew's got a little bit of that, but mostly Matthew is writing to Jews, trying to persuade them that Jesus is the one they've been waiting for. And so he's tying it back to the Old Testament with genealogies. And John has got a little bit of that as well, a little bit of the manger stuff, but mostly he's writing to Greeks. And so he's trying to talk about worldviews and got big philosophical concepts in there. Mark doesn't have much of it, a little bit. Luke is the place that we go. And in Luke chapter 2, right after the angels have appeared to, uh, to the shepherds that were out in their fields by night, the, the angels leave and the shepherds say, hey, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go. Let's go look at this thing that the angels have just told us about. So they hurried off, it says, Luke 2.16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So um, this is the key passage that sets up the big claim that uh, Jesus Christ enters time and space. Uh, and and this, is an, this is an amazing thing. You've heard this passage, no doubt. You have seen this passage acted out in Christmas pageants. You have probably seen uh, representations of this in artwork and in creches. Uh, that the nativity scenes that are all over. Um, for the record, uh, I want to suggest that some of what we see in the nativity scenes is perhaps a little bit uh, off. It's based maybe a little bit more on, uh, on stories and songs, and it's based on the biblical account. For instance, uh, all, the, all, these, uh, all the Christmas pageants tend to have three kings, uh, and the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, so there's three kings in the song, but there's not three kings in the New Testament. There's three gifts, and so you sort of make the jump that there's three kings. And uh, we see lots of animals usually in the nativity scenes, and that's uh, because we're just assuming that, uh, that the donkey that you know, Mary rode is there, and that, uh, that if the wise men showed up on camels, they're there, and that if the shepherd showed up, that they've got their sheep. And, but it doesn't necessarily say that. And for that matter... In the last 15 to 20 years, archaeology is suggesting that maybe the whole manger looked differently than we thought, that Mary was probably not out back in a separate, completely separate setting, like a garage behind the house, but more that in the simple homes of the poor, the, the back half was where the animals were brought in at night because they didn't want them stolen. 
And so that's, that's probably possibly more of the setting. So um, look, it, it's possible that some of these images and pictures have got some things wrong. They're off just a little bit. Uh, they, they, they may reflect more about their culture and things than, than about what's really going on. But you have seen these, right? You have seen images like this and uh, it's, it's got the light from heaven and there's usually angels and there's straw, but there's a, a manger and Mary and Joseph are kneeling down and the baby Jesus is there. Well, there are hundreds of thousands of these. And we can actually, even though they're not always right, we can learn a lot about them and maybe learn some things about Jesus. Here's one that comes from a, a 11th century Byzantine Greek monastery. And, uh, and, and we see, we've got Mary, we've got Jesus, uh, and, and we've got this blessing coming down from heaven, and we see uh, wise men, and we see other things in these pictures. Now, there's a couple things to note about this. So th- this is an older picture. It's a little, uh, it's a little flat. It's a little, uh, little stuffy, squashed. That's because at this point in the 11th century, the artists generally did not know how to make a two-dimensional image look like a three-dimensional one. But also, it, it, it's got different representations because it's it, in a pre-literate society, it serves a different purpose. They're actually trying to communicate things. And so, so uh, Mary is, is more prominent because she's more important. And Jesus is center because he's more important. And the, the wise men and others are, are smaller, not because they're further back, but because uh, they are less important. Here's a, uh, an image that is uh, part of a very ornate piece of work. This is from the 14th century. Uh, it's an altarpiece that was uh, painted, and it actually probably tells us as much about the wealthy patron who, uh, who gave the money for this to be painted as it does tell us about Christ uh, and about the incarnation. Uh, that happened a lot at that point. Uh, but if you look at this close-up of it, you see that uh, there's a whole lot of detail that's given here. And we see the, the, the fact that the wise men are bowing down and, and showing their reverence for Christ. And we see uh, Mary looking on at this blue sort of royal position that she has. And there's halos on. And then you see all kinds of other pieces that are in the background that are in the story. Uh, Here's another one, and now we, we jump ahead a little bit. We, when we get on the other side of the Reformation and the Catholic Church uh, Council of Trent, the Counter-Reformation, we tend to, there was actually rules that came out uh, about art, and we tend to see much more humble settings. Uh, they're not, it's not the wealthy patron trying to suggest how wealthy he is. We see a little bit more grittier paintings, and we also, we see, uh, we often see that, that Jesus is the source of light in the scene. Here's another one in which it's, it's Jesus, who is the light of the world. I mean, there's theology being conveyed here. We see that Jesus is the one who is lighting up the room. So uh, there's, there's lots of these. Here's another one in which we see Christ being lit up and, and uh, all kinds of suggestions of cosmic battle that is going on behind it. Uh, these are, these are fascinating, and we can learn some things uh, about them. Now, before you get too um, uh, smug in this cultural moment, uh, I want to suggest that, that uh, we learn a lot about the culture and a lot about the views of the people, the views of the artists, by looking at the pictures and the paintings that they have, have painted. When you look at 20th century and 21st century representations in the nativity, 
you see something a little bit different. For instance, we have the ever-popular Precious Moments figurines. And uh, here we have Harry Potter doing the nativity scene with Dolby over there, I think, in the corner. Here we have uh, Star Wars nativity set with uh, baby Jesus getting a lightsaber uh, and a droid being right there. So uh, there are all kinds of different representations here of, of the nativity scene. And they're telling us perhaps as much about who we are as they're telling us about Christ. So I just want to take a second here to say, look, take a step back from all of them and look at them collectively, or better yet, look in John 1 and 2 and in in Matthew 1, 2, and 3 and look in Luke 1 and 2 and look in Mark, the first few chapters. Look at the Old Testament passages that point ahead to the birth of Christ. Look at all the epistles that were written, the letters that are written pointing back to this incredible miracle, this incredible act in which God humbles himself and shows up. And you see that, you know, there's all kinds of things that we can actually learn from these pictures. We see that, look, Jesus shows up initially to shepherds. These are the lowest of the low. Shepherds couldn't testify in a court of law because they were considered untrustworthy across the board. These are the first people that get the heavenly announcement. And we see that it's not just the, the bottom of the bottom. We see the richest of the rich, the most powerful, the three kings, the magi, probably coming from modern-day Iran, a 1,500-mile journey because they're astro- uh, astrologers, astronomers, and they're looking at, at the night sky, and they're seeing that there's prophecy that is being fulfilled. We see animals that are there, symbolic of the fact that all of creation is going to worship Christ. We see, uh, we see the night sky lit up, again, symbolic of the fact that all of nature is singing about the arrival of Jesus. And that's because what you see if you look at these pictures, what you see if you look at these crushes, and I hope this is going to be true the next time you see one and from now on when you see them, what you are seeing is the radical, unthinkable, countercultural, unfashionable claim that God showed up in human form. He shows up in weakness as a baby 2,000 years ago to teach us what matters, to model how to live, to launch a new kingdom, to die, to atone for our sins. It's the most unbelievable and it is the most important story ever told. And it's important in large part because it's true. And you desperately need to be shaped by this story as we move out of 2020 and on into 2021. This has been a tough year. Perhaps this uh, time of singing and scripture and, and my reflections will be helpful. Perhaps reflecting on what God has done for you will be helpful. I hope so. I want to say, do not let this simply be tradition. Why don't you decide right now that you're going to make 2021, a different kind of year because you are going to focus on the person and work of Jesus Christ, God's son who came to rescue you, to model a new way to live, to set out a new kingdom with an entirely different set of values. That is the Christmas story. Just the beginning glimpses of it is found when we look at these nativity scenes that that the creator has become part of the creation, doing so on a rescue mission for you. That's your present. Merry Christmas. Let me pray. 
Heavenly Father, uh, I want to pray for all those that are tuned in right now, that are, that are reflecting on this radical, unthinkable claim that you loved them enough to show up. Lord Jesus, that you love them enough to enter time and space, this world that you created to become part of it, to humble yourself in that way, to enter through a, a virgin's womb in the backwaters of the Roman Empire, uh, to do so in humility, to live a perfect life, to teach and love and model so much than to die in our place. Father, may that news, may that present grip people today, change them, guide and direct us, we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.